This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week we are dissecting 1981's Friday the 13th Part 2, directed by Steve Miner. But first, our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Um, we were here a week ago, so not a whole lot of life updates. Mm-hmm. We celebrated the 4th of July. Yes. It was nice. Yeah, so we went to, um, here in our town there's an event at like the local baseball field. So we went there, and they have, like, food trucks and Mm -hmm. activities for the kids. And my family, it was, like, the last night that my whole family was here from Colorado. So they were all there, and, yeah, it was good. It was a good fireworks show. Yeah, it was was nice and relaxing. There were, like, 13 of us, 14 of us that went out Mm -hmm. and got to hang out with everyone and Liam and also um, B's niece and nephew, who I never get to see. So it was nice. It was very, very mellow, Mm -hmm. like, easygoing 4th of July. That's what happens when you have a kid. That's what happens when you get old. Yeah, your 4th of July doesn't get it's mean not... like getting shit-faced at the pool anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I worked. Yeah. I, I worked. I took a nap and then I went. <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I got home and immediately fell asleep at like 10. What, 11, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, so... I napped the whole next day. Which I... is funny. I took the next day off because I was like, just in case I get drunk. Uh-huh. I, had, I had two beers. Um, I was sober. I just was exhausted from just living life. Yeah. I napped with my son. It was also really hot that day. So the heat just saps you up. It exhausts you. Uh, We talked about it on the last episode, but it's now up. So you can find our Keep Screaming Summer playlist that B and I uh, made. We handpicked the songs. It's five from each of us. Uh, It's on iTunes and on Spotify. Mm -hmm. And if you go over to our Instagram, at ScreamingCast, uh, B has the breakdown. She posted the breakdown. We each wrote little blurbs on why we pick the songs that we pick. So. Yeah, or you can go on the website, keepscreaming.com slash listen, um, and you will see the post, which will be linked. You can, you'll can you find the links to both it on Apple Music and Spotify, and then all of the blurbs for why these are sort of our go-to summer songs right now. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun, and we I think we want to do that probably, like, seasonally. Yeah. Like, I think it'll be a cool, like, fun little thing to do, and we had fun doing it. Um, 
We mentioned this at the top of the last episode, too, but we do have a special episode at the end of the month with our producer, Brennan Klein, and our um, he runs the Scream 101 podcast, and also he is a host on Queer Wolf, which is part of the Blumhouse Podcasting Network, um, and our friend Aaron from Australia, he's a horror novelist. How do you pronounce his last name again? Tries. I don't think that's it. Oh, I don't know, Aaron. How do you say your last name? Tries. I knew it at some point. I'm so sorry, Aaron. Um, but they're going. Um, they're both going to be in town. Aaron is flying specifically into SAC to see us, and Brandon's driving up to see him, and then he'll drive him back down. But we're very excited. We uh, met Aaron. I mean, we officially met Brandon in person and met Aaron at Midsummer last year, and we just clicked. Like, it was a very natural connection, and we became pretty fast friends, and we've stayed in contact, obviously, this whole time. So when Aaron made plans to come back out to the States, he was like, I need to see you guys. So, uh, of course, Brennan picked a movie for us, which is called The Carpenter. He swears it's a slasher. It's from 1988. You can tell B is super stoked. Mm -hmm. It's on Amazon Prime if you guys want to watch. It stars Wings Hauser, who was like an 80s... Action-ish star. His name is Wings. His name is Wings. Yeah. Like the things on your back yeah. that make you fly. W i n g s. Yeah. Wings. Mm. Wings Hauser. Um, I don't know if if it's this. We're going in blind. Okay. Yes. Uh, I have not looked up a thing besides the poster, which is a thing. There are sometimes sometimes Renan says things are slashers, and then we watch Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, and I'm like this isn't a slasher movie at all. Um, I mean, it's a good movie, but. Yeah. Uh, so I'm interested to see how much this falls in line with uh, slashers, but I trust him, ish. <laughs> I really hope he he made up to me already for Girls Night Out, so he's got to redeem himself to be. But I don't know what's going to happen with the Carpenter, but we'll see. So yeah, that's going to be our kind of like a special episode at the end of the month. Yes. Um, I was actually pretty busy this week as far as like viewing stuff goes. If you guys live under a rock and don't know stranger things dropped on the 4th of july because they did like a summer theme this time instead of the traditional the last two years it's or last two times it's been halloween um i have one and a half episodes to go it's fantastic it's so good it hit it for me it is perfectly like it is a hundred percent my aesthetic it's that like neon day glow 80s like it's all in the mall and it's all 80s pop and like I, it's just hitting all the right buttons for me and it's all like it's still it's very scary like the moments of of like horror in it are actually like really good moments of horror the acting is fantastic um, they're fleshing out a lot of the supplemental characters which they did last season but they're doing it even more and um, also it's striking particularly like hard with me because it's very much about the kids and their relationship drama which mm-hmm. obviously i love teen drama so when you throw in some supernatural weird shit with teen drama that's a hundred percent my jam so yeah it's it's really fantastic so if you haven't watched it i i i'm trying if not you to haven't watch it it's been out for two days ryan what it's been out for yeah yeah and how many people do you know have already watched it None. Oh my god, like everyone I know has already binged it. Everyone you know or everybody you talk to on the internet? Everyone on Twitter. Um, yeah, exactly. That's a different world. Yeah, well, and Jeremy. So, yeah, there. No, I, I've I watched Jeremy. an episode and a half, which I feel pretty good about. Yeah, but I was going to say, if you haven't watched it, try to not binge it. Just, I, I, I'm trying oh. to not binge it. And yeah. like kind of enjoy I can't it. do that anymore, so I will accept that challenge. Yeah, I'm, I, I did like two episodes 
on day like where I watch it, I'm like I can fit two episodes in, and it's only eight. But it's not that yeah. it's not that many. But yeah, I finished one and a half. No, I can't binge anymore either. I'm, it, uh, I just get too tired. I don't have it in me. I, I got yeah. two episodes in, and I was like, and I'm gonna put on Master Chef and go to sleep. Uh-huh. <laughs> like that's what I can do now. Yeah, so. exactly. I live my life in hour and a half increments. Yeah. Uh, I also saw Midsummer, which is Ari Aster's follow-up to Hereditary. Uh, it's so weird. It's mm-hmm. really good. It's very good. Um, like, visually stunning. Really, like, weirdly funny. But, like, Ari Aster captures grief in such an intense way. It's really hard to make it through his films because just like Tony Collette and Hereditary, like, Florence Pugue in this is incredible but it's really hard to watch because it feels so raw and real and it's just like heartbreaking so it's very very well made movie but also just so so weird like if anyone i know a lot of people who aren't like deep into horror who ended up seeing hereditary and they're like it gets kind of weird and i'm like this movie makes hereditary look like cutesy like barely playing around in the weird stratosphere because whatever whatever like hereditary did in the world of weird is nothing compared to this one it's just fucking out there like at the, i saw at least eight people just walk out of this movie <laughs> I, I i did like i, I mean I, it's two and a half hours long. it is it's a long movie and there are two scenes in particular that are fucking jarring and if you're not expecting it and like if you're not into the horror realm i could see you easy i mean two people i saw during one of those scenes just get up and leave yeah but also there were some people that i could tell were just like nope this is just not for me this yeah. is too fucking weird but i thought it was great um i'm very interested to like rewatch it i'll wait until it comes out um on like home video to, to rewatch. but um it's definitely i think i like hereditary more i think it's a better movie but there's a lot of like really interesting things that Aster is doing and capturing on film and also I love anything that tries to be like this unsettling and weird and like super broad daylight so props on that too uh and then lastly I saw Spider-Man Far From Home the new Spider-Man movie which is the last of the technical phase three like the end of their infinity saga um, before they launch into Phase 4, and it's just really fun. It's a super fun movie. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal plays Mysterio, and he's fantastic in it. It's really it's charming and likable. serious. No. It's like this was, they knew, they just hit you with some heavy stuff. Yeah. So they're like, here's a lot of fun. I mean, it's a lot of comedy. It's a lot of comedy, and it's a lot of, like, really fun action, um, and, you know, uh, Nick Fury's in it, so Sam Jackson returns, and then, um, like, all of, like, it's really, I mean, it's definitely a Spider-Man movie, but it's really about, like, Peter kind of, like, balancing being Spider-Man and being Peter Parker, like, with his classmates and, like, trying to have a relationship with MJ and stuff, and it's just really, like, like, they knew. <laughs> they knew, okay, we need something colorful, we need something fun and light, and, like, there's one heavy like, part just where, you know, Peter and Happy have a really, like, heart-to-heart moment about Tony. And, like, that was a very, like, touching moment, but that was it. And the rest of the movie is very, like, easy-breezy. So, super fun, and, like, they're on vacation. Like, they go to Rome, and they go to London, and they go to Paris, so there's all, like, these, like, destination landmarks, and it's it was really fun. So, um, especially after Endgame and the heaviness that was 
the last couple years of Marvel, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was well needed. And then the post credit scene is fucking bonkers. Uh, like, crazy, super, like, I mean, it has a deep cut for comic book fans that they'll love, but also the implications that are set up by it are pretty intense. So definitely make sure you sit, like, through all Marvel movies, as you should know, 24 movies later, or however many we're at now, 23? I think it was 23. Um, I don't know. I'm not the Marvel person. Yeah, I think it's 23. I think Endgame was 22. I casually watched them. Yeah, I'm sure you'll see this when it comes out on, yeah. like, Blu-ray. Uh, and Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man, like, easily. Just captures it perfectly, the balance. Because Spider-Man's like, like most superheroes, like Batman, you gotta be a good Peter Parker and a good Spider-Man. And that's, like, like, I thought Andrew Garfield was a good Spider-Man and just an okay Peter Parker. And I thought Tobey Maguire was a good Peter Parker and an okay Spider-Man. But Tom Holland's, like, both for me. So he's he's definitely my favorite. Yeah, so... Good to know. Yeah. I didn't super care for Homecoming. I don't know if I've actually ever finished it. We've watched it, like, twice, and I just... Uh, I love that movie. I don't know. Not for me. It's fine. There's nothing bad about it. I'll probably watch it again. Like, it is, like, really light and enjoyable, but it's not interesting enough for me that I've ever been, like, I've fallen asleep twice, and I've never been like, yeah, I gotta finish it. Oh, I love it so much. It's got Logan Marshall Green and Michael Keaton and Donald Glover. Yeah. You'll 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 get there one day. Sure, maybe. Sure. Probably before you see this one. I didn't watch anything, people. I I watched one and a half episodes of Stranger Things. I, I mean, it's only been like six days since yeah. we recorded, so. I, yeah. It's kind of amazing I packed that much in. I'm very surprised. Yeah. I was I kind of on a mission. That's what I did. I was on a mission to get to the theaters because I was like, I need to, I miss Child's Play. I was going to see Child's Play today. It's already out. It's, it's gone. gone. Yep. So, um, I miss Child's Play and I miss Ma. So I was like, fuck, I need to see some oh, horror true, true. theaters. So, um, I mean, I saw Annabelle, but Midsommar, also like to see, I wanted to support that it's, movie. it's a smaller movie, yeah. yeah. It only made six mil this weekend. Well, it's because it's two and a half hours long. No, it is. A hundred percent. So I didn't go. I My plan because, was to go. Yeah. And then when I looked at the runtime, I was like, between scheduling, like, I was like, okay, well, then Ben's going to have to feed my son. We have to give him a bottle, which is fine. That's at the end of the world. I can do that. And even my husband was like, you're about to start being a stay-at-home mom. Like, you need to take your chances to get out of the house. You should go to the movies. We're, like, sitting on the couch, and I'm like, okay, well, I can feed Liam, and then I can go to the movies, and then I'll be back. And I I'm, I'm looked up the runtime before I text Ryan back, and I'm like, two and a half hours, and I was like, hmm, seven, eight, nine. I'm like, I, I will not stay awake. I literally There's got out no at 10, yeah. There's no guarantee that I will fall asleep in that theater. And sure enough, I fell asleep on my couch watching Rush Hour at, like, 9 o'clock. Yep. So there's no way I was... I would have spent 14 bucks to sleep in a movie theater. Yep. No, thank you. I've done that before. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Midsummer, I will maybe catch you if I can emotionally handle it. I know. I was actually um, thinking about it when I saw it. I was like, eh, maybe a good thing she didn't come. Because Aster is... You still haven't seen Hereditary. No, yet. no, no, you can't no, yet. no, yeah, 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 no, 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 no. So, I, yeah, Ari I'm, Aster I'm might be a filmmaker. Like six months postpartum I will have enough of my sanity we had dinner last night um with two of our close friends Jared and Lindsay um Lindsay is expecting she is due in September um and so it's we were talking about something oh they watched A Star is Born oh yeah and she's like no oh my god I we had to turn off I'm like yeah I haven't watched it because there's no way like you can't do that shit to yourself she's like yeah I just kept crying I'm like I watched Christopher Robin and I couldn't stop crying I was so sad for Pooh 
And she's like, yeah, I know. It's just, it's a thing. I believe it. Yeah. No, I I totally 100% understand because I'm like, yeah, I don't think you can emotionally unpack this right no. now. That's the same reason you haven't seen Pet Cemetery. No. I got the blue sitting out there and yeah. I keep, I was like, I always br- almost bring it to you and I'm like, wait, she can't watch this. Shit. No, yeah, yeah, I'll so. probably cry for a week yeah. and have nightmares and wake up in the middle of the night and check in my son in the crib. Yep. No. Yeah. So, yeah, so maybe not Midsummer. Annabelle will be your thing. When yeah. I, yeah. When that, Annabelle when will that be hits, good. that's going to be my jam. Ma, yeah. when that comes out, going to be my jam. Yeah. I'm definitely, I really want to see Ma. I'm bummed that I get to see that one. Um, so, Anywho. Yeah. We are covering Friday the 13th, part two from part 1981. Two? Um, so, yeah, we did, I mean, you're getting back-to-back episodes instead of the normal, like, bi-weekly. We wanted to do it back-to-back so that we could cover both these movies. The working title for this was Jason, which I don't... I mean, there's no way they would have ever released it not being Friday the 13th. Oh, hell there's no. There's absolutely no way. So, probably just script-wise, this was sitting because they knew, like, the focus of this film was Jason. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah. There's no way that the, this movie wouldn't have been called Friday the 13th 2. However yeah. they wanted to label it, that was going to be yeah, the Yeah, with how successful the first yeah. one did, there's no way they're taking that they're not name. Gonna, they're not going to release a movie called Jason and not have anybody fucking show up to the theater. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So this one um, takes place um, two months after the events of the original Friday the 13th. Alice, uh, the lone survivor of Mrs. Voorhees' killing spree, meets a grisly end in her city apartment. Five years later, a new group of co-eds converges near Camp Crystal Lake, scene of the original massacre and the drowning of Jason Voorhees that preceded it. This time around, the horny collegians attended nearby training school for camp counselors. As half of the group parties in town, an unseen assailant picks off the other half one by one. Only when camp leader Paul and his girlfriend Jenny return to camp do they uncover the identity of their stalker, none other than Jason himself. Alive but grotesquely deformed as a result of his childhood drowning. Flashbacks chronicle Jason's behind-the-scenes activities in the first film, um, perhaps explaining how his mother was able to throw the dead bodies of muscular use through the windows with such apparent ease. Young couples only hope to defend the fiend lies in psych major Jenny's insights and Jason's mental state. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, It's a lot to... That's a very, like, succinct in-depth synopsis. Guys, that's the movie. The end. Great episode. Good job, guys. See you in two weeks for the car. Right. Um, So the budget on this one was 1.25 mil. Which is Um, how much higher than the first one? First one's 500,000. Okay, so double, pretty much. Um, And box office, 21.7 million. If we recall, the last one made 55, I think, in that range. Um, So way less successful. Um, well, not way less successful. It's a successful movie. Yeah. By far. I mean, yeah. the budget was a million dollars. But budget to box office ratio is yes. really good. Like, as far as the studio is concerned, yeah. this is a smash hit. Yeah. But in terms of comparison to the first one, definitely did not do as well. Um, and I mean, it just didn't have the smash marketing. And the thing is, well, th- that would be my my guess, my marketing assessment, my box office analysis is that people went and saw the first one because of the hype, um, and a lot more people went and saw it than normally would go see, and this wasn't a type of movie that had really exploded yet. And so... 
for part two, the people who were like, yeah, no, 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 that's not for me. All the people were like, no, this is grotesque and violent and, you know, bad yeah. for misogynistic and yeah. all this, like, passed on seeing part two. I wonder, too, how much, because I think about it sometimes, so this came out almost a year exactly after, right? Because they rushed into production and everything. So I wonder how much to pre-internet and pre-social like media and pre-kind like kind of just like entertainment frenzy, how many people are like, no, I, I just saw that movie. Right. <laughs> like, like we're confused even by it. Yeah. Or like, we're like, no, that just came out. Like, that's like, so they didn't buy it again. Like, because now you would definitely, like, I mean, we would know the day there would be a Twitter announcement the, the day the movie came out, like, sequel greenlit, and we'd yeah. be like, oh, shit, they're already working on the sequel. But back yeah. then, they didn't know if you no. weren't reading, like, Variety, you know? Correct. So Yeah, you'd have to be reading um, entertainment news at yeah. the time. So I wonder if you that weren't saturated anything. with it. Exactly. Uh, pretty low Rotten Tomatoes, 29%, which is a big drop-off from the first one, which was at 65 uh, which was really, again, That's really, really high. high in general for a slasher. Yeah. The consensus is that Friday the 13th Part 2 sets the template for the franchise to follow with more teen victims, more gruesome set pieces, and fewer reasons to keep following along. It's kind of harsh. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think, if anything, it gives you more reason to follow along because you have a more interesting killer in this one. I think he's more... I, From a critic standpoint, I can understand that Jason is not more interesting because, like, he doesn't talk. No. Um, he doesn't chew scenery. Like, he doesn't give that performance. But from a horror movie standpoint, like, we're definitely more interested because he's a more intimidating figure. His appearance is, like, interesting looking. He because of his stature he has more brutal kills so i get i guess i get it from a critic saying i don't agree with it i guess i understand what what they're coming from but after watching this especially so close to the first one because b and i both rewatched it like again obviously and um it it's super more in line with the first one than with the third one this movie is like it still has a lot of pov like framing um it still has a lot of that kind of like um i think it's a little less frenzied it's a little more slow and steady um like the first one is so it's kind of surprising that the drop-off was that significant although i will say the characters are somehow even more like carbon copies of just like stereotypes except for um, except for our final girl. Yeah, except for our final yeah, girl. Jenny yeah, Jenny is an upgrade. The other characters are just yeah. the same. Yeah. More of the same. It's more, exactly. Yeah. Like, when they, especially, like, at the beginning of the movie, when they introduce all the characters, I kind of remember, I was like, they don't kill all of these guys. And then when they go into town, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's how they get some of them out. I'm like, yeah. it's a pretty big body count still, though. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of people to kill. Uh, the poster for this one is Okay. Um, what it is, is is essentially the poster from the first movie, and they just take out the illustrated scene, and they're just doing the body outline, and, uh, the body outline is holding a, an axe axe that's bloody, um, and it says, I guess, is that a hatchet? Yeah, we've had, yeah, it's a hatchet. It's a hatchet, We've had this argument, a few, argument, discussion a few times. Yeah. It's a hatchet. Because yeah. the axe is a long handle and two-sided. Yeah, it's Not always two-sided. No, you're right. But yeah. it is But, yes, this is a hatchet, which isn't used in this film. He doesn't kill with a hatchet. 
I don't think. Um, There's a hatchet in it. I think she picked, our final girl picks up a hatchet, and I think that's what she strikes him with. In no, the she end. she hits him with a machete. Oh, yeah, no. There's no hatchet killing Yeah, there's this movie. no hatchet killing this movie. Um, no. So, you know how I feel about that. Yep. Um, that's dumb. Yep. Uh, and instead of having an illustrated, moody cover that gives us the um, feel for the film, we just have the now... Um, script that's sort of become the logo and the font for the films um friday the 13th and part two is kind of filled with blood but it's not filled with blood in as creative of a way because there's no blood dripping into it and also it's just not done as well well that and Um, that's it happens when you have a movie that like we see this happen all the time because it's like it's the turnaround is so fast yeah so certain areas well and they want people they want people to go, I've seen that. Yeah. They want people to go, that looks familiar. Oh, yeah, I saw the other one. Um, and then the tagline is, the body count continues. Well, and obviously, too, Sean Cunningham didn't do this. No. It wasn't, like, hands-on no. with the marketing. He wasn't yeah. involved in yeah. going, like, oh, the poster's important, people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's fine. And it's it's actually looks pretty modern because it's very minimalist and there's not a lot going on. And it's not a bad poster per se. Right. But when you compare it to the first one, this is kind of like a lazy ripoff of it. Um, it's fine. I definitely, I like it still. I do. Um, I just think that it's lazy. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Which, I you know, hey, it's fine. Uh, Gotta work ten, with what you got. Yeah. Ten sequels, obviously, since the last one was 11 sequels. Um, yes. So all of the movies that we mentioned before. But in case you missed that episode, those sequels are Friday the 13th Part 3, Friday the 13th Final Chapter, Friday the 13th The New Beginning, Friday the 13th Part 6 Jason Lives, Friday the 13th Part 7 The New Blood, Friday the 13th Part 8 Jason Takes Manhattan. Oh. Friday the 13th, or Friday go or Jason goes to hell. The final Friday. Friday goes to hell. Friday goes to hell. The Jason, the Jason, the final story. Jason, <laughs> yeah. the story of Jason. Jason X, Freddy versus Jason, and then um, Friday the Thirteenth, the reboot in two thousand nine. So again, it has been ten years since we've had a theatrical entry, actually any entry, any entry into the Jason mythos. Yeah, uh, which is a bummer. Uh, and we 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 miss you, Jason. So figure it out, yeah. people. Uh, Steve Miner directed, and Steve Miner is, uh, this was his directorial debut. He would go on to be very, very successful um, in the genre and um, outside of the genre. Uh, he did Friday the 13th Part 3, uh, and two or th- two and three are like two of my favorites. Um, he also did House. He directed uh, episodes of Wonder Years and Dawson's Creek. Um, he directed Warlock, H2O, which is also one of my favorite Halloween movies, um, and, you know, the story was by Kevin Williamson, just to get my Kevin Williamson plug in this episode. I mean, also Dawson's Creek. Uh, he also did Lake Placid, and then he does a lot of work on, like, the ABC Family Freeform shows, Make It or Break It, Chasing Life, Switch at Birth, Stitchers, things like that. Very successful. Uh-huh. Very, very talented, successful guy. Yes. And it's kind of nice to, like, he's all over the place. Like, he can really, he's proven that he can handle, like, a lot of different um, well, genres. yeah, and he works right in our wheelhouse, which is horror and teens. Oh, yeah, definitely. Wonder like, Years, Austin's Creek, yeah. all the ABC family shows. Yeah, and um, yeah, so he's 100% in line with what you and I love. Yes. So. Um, this one was written by Ron Kurz. Um, he didn't really do anything else. Um, a movie called Off the Wall in 1983. I read the synopsis and instantly forgot it after I read it. Something about prison and 
I don't know. So not interesting. No. Um, you know, characters obviously based off of um, the previous film. Um, the film editing was done by Susan Cunningham, which is Sean Cunningham's wife. Um, so I think that's probably a, a... I would credit the film for being similar to the first in tone because of that. Yeah. Um, There's even some, like, interesting things that I, like, watching this that I thought, like, that freeze frame with the wheelchair, that mm-hmm. was super bizarre, but I was like, oh, that feels like the first movie, mm-hmm. and then, of course, the final, like, the the, the window. The window jump. Yeah, yeah. is very similar to the yeah. jump. Yeah, and like so. you were saying, we still, not as much, but we are still getting some of those, like, POV kills and stuff, and so I just think the movie flows really similarly because we have somebody who is so closely involved with the first one. Yeah. Um, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Tom Savini was asked to come back to do the special effects, but he didn't. He was um, doing Midnight and the Burning, and he also did not like that Jason was the killer in the movie. Um, him, who was it? Him, him uh, Cunningham, Cunningham, and, and um, Betsy yeah. um, Palmer were, were have all publicly stated that they do not. Um, it doesn't make sense that Jason would be the killer in this film and they didn't like that and so they weren't really keen on being involved yeah they didn't like the idea of him being alive throughout the whole first film which i mean it is kind of goofy logically it doesn't really make sense no. like did there's like two there's two theories it's either that um he like drowned and they thought he drowned and really he swam off like scared and like lived in the woods this whole time um and doesn't have like the mental capabilities to you know warn his mother or you know say he's alive and just sort of raised himself in the woods or two that he is in fact like a supernatural being and that he was um sort of resurrected right. when his mother was killed yeah i subscribe to that one if it's well what the further you get into the franchise the further stuff yeah if you're solely if the movies ended here at part three like it was technically supposed to i subscribe to the first theory. right it definitely makes more sense that so i know the second one the more supernatural is that he is technically what's called a revenant in like supernatural terms and he falls very much in line with that kind of like folklore so it, that makes most sense if you continue past yes. three. Yes, 100%. Um, but yeah, so Savini was offered, did not come back. Um, what's the guy's, I think it was Craig Fullerton. Um, there was one guy in particular who did the makeup, and um, but only, yeah, or Carl Fulton. Carl Fullerton. He did the, uh, the adult Jason makeup, and it was based off Savini's child makeup work. Um, and then other than that, Stephen Kirchhoff handled all of the other like actual special effects. Um, he has 196 credits, so very successful. He yeah. worked in horror for a while. He did Chud. He did Day of the Dead. And then he went on to do things like The Departed, Boardwalk Empire, John Wick 3, Carlito's Way. So very, very successful. Yeah. And then, like, Fantastic Four, 13 Going on 30. Like, literally, like, some Adam Sandler movies. Literally, like, he's just, everything. He's, he's a Hollywood big, guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a Hollywood guy. Just does a ton of blockbusters. Very, very successful. Um, again, um, Harry Manfredini is back on this. Yeah, our boy. Um, yeah. Scored more than 100 films. Um, Scored Slaughter High. Yes, our favorite. Um, worked with Cunningham, the director of part one, numerous times. Um, and uh, brought his stuff back for the score. And I think it's even better in this one. 
Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. It's also it's more, more polished. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, there's just more of it. Mm-hmm. And you know what's fun is there's a couple times where they, they purposely set you up to think that Jason's there by using the cue, and uh-huh. he's not. Yeah. And it's smart. Yeah. It's done very, like, intelligently. So I yeah, like that a lot. Yeah, they play with you with the musical, um, like, cues. Yeah, because you learned from the first uh-huh. one already. And then, like, with this one, like, because in particular, there's a moment where one of the, I think it's, like, either the cat jump scare or the dog scare. Like, they set up the brief, like, and it's very quiet, but you hear the, the, and I was like, ooh, they're, like, they're messing with us because mm-hmm. we think it's going to be Jason, and I know it's not. Um, Amy Seal is our final girl, uh, who's Jenny Field. She um, would go on to do April Fool's Day, but then left the genre because she didn't want to be typecast, which is actually why she did not come back for the third movie. There's a Apparently, there's a script or a, something out there, a, a rough outline of a part three where um, it would start with... Paul being thrown through her apartment window. Is that his name? Paul? Ted? I don't know. I'm getting all the names mixed up. Paul. No, it's uh, she goes back to college and she finds him dead in her dorm room. Yes. Um, And she like does like T2 status and gets like all buff and self-defense and goes after Jason. Yeah. But that was dropped because she did not want to um, get typecast. John Fury plays Paul Holt, who's kind of like our final boy, final guy. It's it's unsure if he dies, so he could be a he's final. Cr- yeah, he's listed when you look up kill counts. He's listed as dying. It's like assumed that he dies, and that might be um, because of the part three script that was a thing where he was dead for sure. But um, he's listed as in we assume he died. Yeah. Um, Steve Daskowitz as Jason Voorhees. Um, he was he commonly goes by Steve Dash. He plays Burlap Sack Jason. Um, so he's a stuntman that ended up just playing him throughout the entire movie pretty much. And then Warrington Gillette uh, plays Jason Unmasked at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And then you know we got a ton of people like uh, Adrian King does come back briefly as Alice Hardy. Um, we get Stu Charno as Ted, who's kind of like our clown, like goofball character. Lauren Marie Taylor as Vicky, who <laughs> was in Girls Night Out, really? Oh yes. my god. She's, Which one's Vicky? Is she she's the... Sheila Robinson in Girls Night Out. Oh wow. If you guys don't know, we watched the movie called Girls Night Out. You can find the episode. It was um, suggested to us by our producer, Brennan, and it is unequivocally the, the movie we hate the most out of all the movies that we've watched. It's just so, so ridiculous. Um, yeah, so we're not a big, big fan fact, of that. Fun fact, she's in that movie. But that's fun that she's in it. Oh, okay, so she plays Vicky. She's Brown Panties Girl. Yeah. Oh, my God, that. yes. I'll get into that Thank you. Later. I really wanted to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> Marta Cobra is Sandra. Tom McBride is Mark. Bill Randolph is Jeff. A bunch of no-names. Like, again, just like young like young adults to be cast as as body count yes um no kevin bacon standouts in this movie no unfortunately. no no, no. Uh, again a teen scream in a summer camp slasher movie uh very much falls in line with that genre um i'd say just perfectly in line with it again yeah the movie can like until the just like the first one until the final act takes place during the day mm-hmm. um it's obviously summer it's based around the summer camp it's they're not all counselors. They're all counselors. Um, it's not until they head out to the bar and it gets night that the killing really starts. I mean, there's quite a few kills before that, but it's, right. it's not really. It's like the climax of the film. Yeah. Um, 
It is interesting that the movie starts in the city, though. I th- like, that's yeah. an interesting touch that it they is. did. Because when it starts in, like, the little girl is singing the Itsy Bitsy Spider, and then, like, Jason's on the street, like, it does kind of, like, you're like, oh, this is different. Uh, which I liked. Obviously, well, our killer... Yeah, and it makes sense that after going through that experience, she wouldn't be just oh, chilling yeah, in, like, no. an, a small town or, like... Or at the camp or still. Or at the camp yeah. still. She's like, oh, I'm going to get the camp going. Yeah. Uh, our killer is Jason. Jason Voorhees, guys. This is his official introduction as the killer of the Friday the 13th franchise. Yeah. his uh, He is avenging his mom, who was avenging him. Yeah. Um, and that will be his motive yeah. forever. I mean, we assume, right? right? Because there's no... I mean, Jason is mute. Yeah, there's no talking, but we... And when we discuss this, like, we'll mention, like, if we disregard the other sequels, because, you know, this is, at this point, we only know what we know from part one and now part two. Um, we All we know, it's Jason, and we do get, um, which is part of what makes her such a great final girl, but we do get Jenny's sort of, like, theory, mm-hmm. um, because she's a psych major, so mm-hmm. she kind of goes into this, like, theory about that. And she's sitting in the bar and literally going, like, well, what if he is alive, and what if he saw his mother get decapitated? Yeah, and... at one point she says, what if there's some boy beast running around the forest, which I thought was a hilarious way to describe Jason That's as amazing. the boy beast. <laughs> Uh, I definitely enjoyed that line for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, we discussed it on the last episode, but again, this is the introduction of what will go on to become one of the most iconic figures in horror, one of the most popular figures in pop culture, like just, and we're still a movie away from the mask. Um, he's wearing the burlap sack in this one, mm-hmm. but it is still Jason. And like, yeah. you know, that's, it's a huge, huge monumental moment in, in like, the genre and in film to have the introduction of Jason Voorhees. Yeah. And it's, it is quite the introduction. So he's physically based off of, um, the killer in the town that did sundown in this one, which came out in 76. Mm-hmm. Um, like literally the burlap sack, um, the overalls, the, overalls, the, plaid. the plaid, um, it's near identical. Um, and it's fucking scary. Mm-hmm. And, I think it's my favorite. I honestly find it a little bit more... I mean, the hockey mask is iconic, Mm -hmm. and it's way better from a marketing standpoint, but from a genuine, like, standpoint of terror, this is scarier. It's also... He is different in this movie. Um, He's very, like, athletic. Mm -hmm. Like, he runs. Like, he hauls ass a couple times in this movie. Yeah. And, like... He doesn't, I, I love Kane Hodder, obviously, as Jason, but he's very much more a stocky, lumbering type of person. A Michael Moore, so. Yeah, and like this one, he's he's big, he is physically intimidating, but he's not, he just doesn't, he's not like, like in the later movies, like Jason's kind of like, he's kind of built like a brick shithouse man. Like mm-hmm. he's like very thick. And like this one, he's just like. He's thick. Yeah, he's thick with two C's. <laughs> uh, but in this one, like he. He's he doesn't seem like super wide or anything. He's like he's very big, but he's, he's the smallest Jason. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's six one, and the actor who portrays him is the smallest Jason out of any of the actors. Right. So he's him. just big enough to look bigger than everyone else because he is six ones tall. Yeah. But he's not like as big as the other Jasons. He's not are. where you go like is that the fucking rock under there? Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. No. I mean, like seriously, once you get in the later one, Derek Mears is huge. Uh huh. And and Kane Hodder's not like crazy tall. He's tall, but he 
he's so thick. Like, stop saying thick. He is though. He's like he's very solid. Like there he's, you go. he has a lot of mass to him. Like you look at him, he's a big boy, and you like there's no like you know like you watch this and Jenny kicks the car door open and like Jason tumbles over. That wouldn't happen if it was Kane Hodder. Like no. yeah, so. I, but I like that about him. The door him. would stop. Exactly, yes. Like, not even touch him. Yeah, so I like that about him, though, because it does create this kind of, like, it's a different feel. It is, and, like, the scene where he's standing on the chair when she's under the bed, mm-hmm. um, like, that's just a different Jason than yeah. we see in the other movies. More of a, like, thought, like, planned out kind of hide and then kill instead of just, like, I'm going to walk. And I'm going to just pummel you with this machete because there's no way you could get away from me because I'm a thick giant. Yeah, exactly. Uh, our iconic weapon is the machete, which is carried over from the first film. Um, and obviously will go on to become his iconic weapon throughout his filmography. And we got a solid kill count. Eight on mm. screen. Yeah. Ten. Maybe ten. Maybe ten. Um, so the movie starts obviously with Alice waking up and like, it's basic, it basically is giving you the last like 10 minutes of the first movie, Mm -hmm. um, in a very condensed form. Yeah. Um, so we get like the reveal of Pamela and we get her fighting Pamela. She's like having a nightmare and that's how we're getting sort of this like, in case you missed it. Yeah. And then like. Because you didn't forget it because the movie just came out six months ago. Yeah. And then also we get the scene of Jason and like kind of the illusion like will he still exist or he's still out there um so then she's in this apartment and like we get the classic like the classic jump scares the telephone ringing and nothing there and then also the the, the windows open cat and the cat jumps, jumps out and then we get like the misdirect scare because we get the cat and then she opens the fridge and there's a head in there i don't know whose head that it's is mrs Vor- it's pamela oh it is Vor- okay yeah. i was wondering okay mm-hmm. so it's pamela Voorhees' head and then immediately she's stabbed through the temple with a screwdriver which is gnarly yeah it's very like well, it's not a screwdriver. It's an ice pick. Oh, it's an ice pick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, it's it's a good effect. It for is. Sure. It it's, looks really good. And it's quick. Yeah. Like, she opens the door and then right in her head. Yep. Um, And it's, yeah, it gets you. Uh, so that, and then we fast forward five years. And we're back at Camp Crystal Lake. Um, we but meet. like, the opposite side. Yeah. We meet two of our characters. I cannot keep up with the names on these ones. I'm sorry, guys. There's just too many of them. Uh, Sandra, Jeff, and Scott. Okay. So we meet Sandra and Jeff. They're dri- They're getting instructions yeah. to the camp, and their, their, their truck is towed, and then it's Scott, and we find out, like, Scott is the Joker. Like, he... Oh, no, that's, um... Or, no, that's Ted. 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 Yeah. Um, Ted's, like, the Joker. He was, like, messing yeah. with them, and they ride out to the camp. And, like, that's when we kind of figure out they're on the other side of the lake because there's this log in the middle of the road, and they find the sign for Camp Crystal Lake. Condemned. And Ted's like, yeah, we're not we're not going there. I don't even want to talk about it. Like, which I thought was fun because, like, he is so afraid, even though he's, like, a jokester, he's so afraid to talk about it. Like, he's, he even says, he's like, yeah, we're not talking about that. Like, yeah. you guys don't, you don't want to hear that story. Um, so it like further establishes kind of like the stuff and he, and he calls it camp blood too. Um, so from the first film, like that kind of feeling of like this, it's this legend in this area for sure. Um, but now it has definitely become Jason is a legend, not just, uh, like a killer because the name Jason is definitely like used and known by the counselors. Uh, and yeah, we start to meet all our counselors and we get like, you know, Again, we get kind of our stereotypes. We have 
um, like our a lead attractive guy, and that's um, Paul. Is that his name? Yeah, Paul. Um, and then we have like the couple that's kind of like horny, um, and then we have like the girl that's really pretty, and the guy that's like chasing after her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have our jokester. Um, yeah, so we get like kind of the stereotypes. I thought it's interesting they include um, Tom McBride as Mark, is and he's like in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and like. I like that it's not a gag or anything. Like, it's never used, like, as any sort of, like, visual gag. I mean, the stairs, but, like, really that's not, like, it wasn't, like, I think a set piece kill or anything. So, I I enjoy inclusion. Like, it was just nice that he exists as a character. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it does feel, like, really, it feels random. Because, I mean, you just don't see that a lot. Yeah, so. um, I mean, and yeah, and it's brought up in a very casual way. I mean, he's asked why he's in a wheelchair. And he said he got in a motorcycle accident. Yeah. And then it's a cue of, like, well, does, is it just your legs that don't work? Yeah. Hint, hint. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's it. Yeah, so, I mean, I like that. I like that. And so, uh, we, we get the introduction of all the characters. And they're, you know, it's our standard Friday the 13th fair. You know, we're... We're figuring out who they are, like who's who's horny, who likes to drink, who likes to play jokes. Right. Um, we meet Jenny, who is our final girl. Um, and straight from the get go, like I really like Jenny. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't take any shit from Paul. Yeah. She's intelligent. Um, like I mean, she like kind of like she definitely. Paul tries to give her a hard time for being late. She's like, she doesn't, she doesn't deal with that shit at all. Um, and then she like uses, she like teases him for using child psychology on him. Be- mm-hmm. And that's when we find out she's a psych major. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like from her introduction, like she's a solid character. And then we get Paul telling the story of Jason. Right. Um, so it's this like, like it's it's yeah, a cool like campfire, campfire scene, story. yeah, mm-hmm. and like he's telling the story of Jason, and this is kind of how we get our lead in from the first movie into like where we are and yeah. like the legend of Jason, because um, he does talk about like yeah. the you know the murders existing from five years prior and like the disappearance of Mrs. Voorhees. And, like, how some people suspect that Jason saw her get decapitated. Yeah, and he's avenging her death. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a... Yeah, and Ted shows up with, like, a mask and a spear and, like, spooks them all. And, like, yeah. And she's making a prank. And, and then Paul says, you know, this is the last we're going to talk about Jason because it's yeah. a legend. Like, this is yeah, just like, a legend. don't go to Camp Crystal Lake. It's off limits. Um, and then that same night... Is when we get Crazy Ralph from the first oh, yeah, film. Yeah. He's peeping. Um, he yeah, he's peeping on um, at the camp, and he's gonna warn them about um, Jason. And he's like hiding behind a tree, and he gets like a wire or something. Yeah, Garrett. Um, yeah. yeah, he oh. gets garroted by a barbed wire. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, poor old Crazy Ralph doesn't make it through the second movie. Um. And then so the next day we get. Um, like a cop is, he sees Jason, right? He's driving, yeah, yeah he's he sees driving. him like running across the street, a very like, um, oh my God, what's that Bigfoot film called? Oh yeah, I can't um, remember. But that's yeah. like what it feels like. He's like scurrying across the, um, road and we like see a little scene. It feels very like Bigfoot in the woods. Yeah. Um, oh, but uh, yeah, I mean, Dep- Winslow's there because... The Jeff and Sandra sneak off and find a carcass. 
Um, of like a dog. Yeah, of like a dog. So that's why Winslow's there. But when he's driving back from the camp, he he sees Jason. So he chases him into the woods. And this is the first time we see Jason's kind of like lair, um, which will pop up intermittently throughout the franchise. Um, and then first time we see is what his like lair, pretty much. Oh, yeah. What do you think I said? A layer, like a layer, like a layer of, of something. Yeah, like a layer of clothing. No, it's his layer. His layer. Yeah. yeah. Am I saying it weird? No, it's just a weird word out of context. Well, yeah, for me, I, mean, I didn't I'm realize. A comic what book you're person here, say. fantasy person, so I, I layer, hide out, whatever you want to yeah. call it. His secret his base. His home. Yeah, but God, Brian. yeah, his house, his yeah. disgusting house with his disgusting toilet. Yeah. Yeah, I what? So Winslow opens the door and there's a toilet, and I'm like, does Jason poop? Like <laughs> I actually kind of wondered. I was like, does Jason go to the bathroom? I don't know. I mean, if he's a supernatural being, I would hope not. Like, I would assume would, not. You would think that that would be one of your perks yeah. of being a supernatural being is that you don't have bodily functions. Yeah. I never see him eat. So True, true. Yeah, so what is he's he? He's not he's not eating the campers. Yeah, so maybe he ate the dog. Oh, that's really gross. Anyway, so Winslow finds that and then he opens the door and we don't see it yet, but he's like, "What?" Like obviously yeah. there's something in there. He's like, "Oh my god." And Jason Then we get a we get like a POV shot from Jason like we No, s- it's not POV. It's actually this one is him creeping up from behind. And then we no, get the No, but you see him when he's walking up, you see the back of Winslow's legs. Oh. They show the back of yeah, him and yeah, it yeah. switches perspectives again. Um because I was confused at first because I was like, why are those Jason's legs? And I'm like, oh, no, it's like Winslow's legs. Those are his deputy pants. And <laughs> deputy pants. Deputy and again, pants. a very, very solid effect of the, like, the hammer, like, the claws of the hammer through the head. Yeah. It's brutal. Um, it looks really so good. So much head killing. Lots of head trauma. You know why? Because head, head stuff is, like, it's the stuff you can do where you're like, well, they're dead. Like, you don't need a follow-up. You don't need to, and like... And not a lot of blood. Yes. Yeah, so you can Which just... Which I think probably helps. You... There's, like, 40-some-odd seconds cut from this film. This one had a hard time, like, not getting an X rating. Yeah. Um, it was 48 seconds they had to yeah. cut. Um, and they had to pull a sex scene because a minor was in it. Yeah. We found that out, too. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of times we get head kills because, like, if someone's, like, stabbed in the gut... And then you cut, you're like, well, did they live? Like, true, true, true. But you, you get someone claws through the head, and you're like, well, that fucker's dead, dude. Um, yeah, so that's Deputy Winslow. And then um, we move to the night, and they're talking about how, like, okay, this is going to be our last night before we get really serious. Like, today was a lot of fun, but, like, tomorrow we got to get serious about, like, buckling down and getting ready for camp. So it's going to be our last night to go out and party, and, like, if you want a night on the town... So yeah. they kind of split. Like, I think basically yeah. like five or six, six people six stay behind. Six stay behind. Um, Jeff and Sandra have to stay behind because they snuck off. So they're not allowed to go out. Yep. Um, and then we have... Um, um, Scott stays behind Yeah. with uh, Terry. Um, and like Scott's interested in Terry, which is why he stays behind because Terry is staying behind. Um, and then Mark stays behind with Vicky. Right. Because Vicky's interested in Mark. So since Mark yeah. says he doesn't want to go out, Vicky stays with him. So there's the six of them that go. Um, and then everyone else goes out to town, like to the town, to this like really crazy kind of bar that bar they find. like live music. It's yeah. like a country bar and it says casino on the outside and yeah. it's jam-packed. Uh, that's definitely one thing. I was like, shit, man, that bar is packed. But I have been to Wisconsin on a weekday night and I understand that in small towns, in small states, that happens. So, yeah, it is uh, it is an interesting thing for sure. 
Um, so we're kind of get like we are flashing back and forth between like um, Paul and Jenny discussing, like B said, like Jenny kind of hypothesizing, like what if Jason did exist? And while this is happening, we're getting Jason stalking and killing the counselors that are at the camp. Um, so the first one to go is Scott. Uh, after like taking terry's clothes when she goes swimming by the way there's full frontal nudity in this movie which was another thing i forgot i was like oh damn there is full frontal in this um because she goes swimming and so he like takes her clothes and like like is making her chase him when he gets caught in like a bear trap uh he even gets caught and he's like god damn it paul and like yeah, you're... you're wilder oh god what he said i wrote that down as like my favorite quote from the movie because i thought it was so funny um goddamn that paul him and his wilderness bullshit yeah yeah um so he's like cursing paul and terry like agrees to cut him down but like if only if he stops messing with her so she runs off to go get a knife to cut him down and that's when like jason comes and uh slices his throat open with the machete (laughs) which i also thought was an interesting kill because with the machete, you'd think, like, maybe a little more decapitation, but... Right, not just, like, a little slice. But, like, they... Yeah, he does do a, a straight, like, throat slice. And I guess it's because when Terry finds him, they kind of toy with the idea, like... Because he's facing backwards, right. and she's talking to him, and then she turns him around and realizes he's been killed. And then Terry runs directly, like, into the camera, but... We don't see anything. We don't see anything, but she's screaming... Like, it's a POV shot, yeah. technically, because it's, like, Jason... She's running into Jason, um, so we assume that Terry is killed. Yeah. We don't see it, but very much assumed. Uh, Mark is the next to go. So, uh, He's been left. So this is when they have, like, sort of their conversation. So, um, Yeah, Vicky. Yeah, Vicky is, like, <laughs> oh. asking him, like, oh, you know, I know your legs don't work, but does everything else work? And he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, it does. And she's like, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to be right back. And he's, like, a little concerned, like, well, where are we going to go? Like, um, what surfaces are upstairs? Yeah, and um, Ted's in his Yeah, um, and she's like, oh, we'll find a place. I'll be right back. I'm just going to go get ready. So she goes, and this is, like, the most baffling scene ever. I'm so glad I'm not the only one who felt no. this way. Because I was like, am I completely off no. base here? Okay, so she goes to, like, get ready, right? She's, you know, powdering her nose for, like, a sexual encounter. And she's perfuming her body. Right. Because, you know, it's... I mean, maybe it's because I'm married and I don't have to, like, hunt for sex anymore. But you, you've you already got the guy interested. Yeah. You are, like, you know you're having sex. So the idea that you have to go and, like, perform, perfume your body and, like, you know, make yourself sexy, it's like, why? You've, the deed is he done. Is ready. You're good. He He's is good, good to go. go. Yeah. He does not care if your hoo-ha smells like Yeah, flowers. she perfumes her vagina, yeah. which I was like, I don't know. No, don't do that. You will get a yeast <laughs> infection. Don't do that. I was just like, okay, I was about to say, I was like, I don't understand exactly how vaginas work. I mean... I, I don't want to sound stupid for saying that, but I, I don't, because I don't have one, obviously. But I was like, I just, I feel like that wouldn't be the best idea. No. Yeah. No, don't. And also, why? No. Like, why it's would you do that? not necessary. Yeah. So, that aside, silly young woman, you do not need to try that hard. But she takes off her pants and her underwear, which are black. Mm-hmm. She's wearing black underwear. Yeah, and they're fine. She, she takes them they're off. They're not, like, particularly, like, quote, unquote, sexy, but they're fine. They're fine. 
she then <laughs> proceeds to put on brown, silky underwear. <laughs> I, when I, she took them out, I was like, those are the ugliest <laughs> panties I have ever fucking seen. I don't think I've ever. I've been shopping for my own underwear since, like, I don't know. Let's say 10 years. My mom stopped on buying my underwear and I started purchasing them for myself. There's no place I've ever been that has sold brown panties. I've never seen them. Do you know why you don't buy brown panties? <laughs> you don't want to look at somebody's underwear and see brown. No. Because that reminds you of a bodily function. Yeah, exactly. That's associated with your downstairs area. It, yeah. When she... It's and not she, sexy. She literally takes them, unfolds them in front of the mirror, and, like, smiles. Like, and, like she's so excited. Like, yeah, this is going to get them and going. And then, like, she puts them on, too. The same cut as her other underwear. Yeah. And I'm like, they're just brown and silky. Yeah. And I'm like, those are so ugly. Yeah. I would be so not attracted to that at all. Yeah. Like, she was better off with the black underwear. Okay. Whose decision? I want to yeah. know. Wardrobe. I need to find out who did the wardrobe on this movie. Yeah. And I wonder, like, I would like to reach out to her from Girls Night Out. We should find out. Lauren Marie Taylor. We should be like, listen. We're gonna what do you think of this Twitter. underwear? Yeah. yeah. What did you actually think of this fucking underwear? Do that you, you think they were sexy? Was that the only thing they had in the small town of wherever they filmed this? Connecticut, I think. God. Like, it was an insult to women honestly um and then she also puts on a goddamn huge ass sweater like but it's like a crop top sweater crop top knitted sweater that makes her shape disappear Mm -hmm. and i'm just baffled yeah i don't understand it's like she went to get less sexy yeah like your vagina is not gonna smell like chemicals also doesn't that burn yeah no it burns i already i will say it again do not do it (laughs) keep that shit away from your lawn God damn it. <laughs> fucking. Oh, last episode you said hanky panky and now you said hoo ha. We're fucking officially old. My God. Okay. So. Anywho, Whitemark's waiting for this, like, love. He, sh- he should be happy he got killed because he just <laughs> didn't have to experience whatever she was about to torture him with. It is good, though, because she does the whole thing and there's, like, she hears something outside. We see that Jason's looking at her. She has to run to her car. Yeah. Um, and the, he, she doesn't get killed there. Like, no. But the whole time you're thinking she's yeah. going to get killed. Like, And this is when the thunderstorm starts. Like, yeah. It starts to rain. Um, and then that's Mark actually goes outside to look for her. And we get a very fucking brutal machete to the face kill. Mm-hmm. Like really savage. Um, it's, it's some really good camera work because they keep leading up to him from behind. So you think Jason's going to come from behind and then it'll show him front facing and the hat or the machete does end up coming from the front and it hits him right in the face and he, he ends up like rolling off the patio. Um, but it's a super good kill. Like, uh, I thought it was very like, again, very brutal. Um, so that's how that, so Mark dies and then Jeff and Sandra are both having sex in that same cabin, just like in a different room. So their sex scene is ended, and then we get another Bay of Blood homage. And this one is like a true, the yeah. true one. So the first the, one was the opposite; like they weren't instead having of sex, yeah, and it was from the underside, yeah. but it was still like an arrow and everything, and it was still like you know playing with that idea. And this one is like literally the same kill. Yeah, like, like they're having sex. Jeff and, is on top of her. Yeah. She sees Jason. The spear goes through them both. We yeah. see the bloody tip of the spear under the bed. So yeah. it's straight up bay of blood. Yeah. Just with the guy on top instead of the girl on top. Yeah. Um yeah, so that's how Jeff and Sandra are both killed. And then Vicky comes in to look for Mark. Um 
and then she is she finds Jeff and Sandra, and then Jason murders her, um, stabs her repeatedly with a knife. And this is a POV shot too, um, which is I thought again it was a very good build. Like Vicky actually plays the victim very well. Like her uh-huh. her acting is really good. She looks truly terrified, and um, it it adds to the POV. It's not like. Sometimes when someone plays someone who's dying, uh, the mutilator, <laughs> it can uh-huh. take you out of the kill. But yeah. in this one, um, Vicky is very believable. Um, it's it's and it makes it particularly more savage. Uh, at this point, we get our leads who come back. Paul and Jenny come back to the camp. Uh, they decide they want to go to sleep, and they're also you know like hooking up secretly. So right, like they're going to hook up. Like Which a- because they're like. The main camp counselors, like they're the ones in charge with Ted, mm-hmm. um, they and they're in charge of like the younger counselors. Essentially, they kind of have to like put on a show of like being professional. And... Yeah, they don't ever like let it known, let it be known that they are together. Um, but Paul and Jenny return, and like the whole camp's all fucked up. And then Paul is ambushed by Jason, and Jenny is chased by him through the camp and the woods, and that's when she finds. Um, the cabin that Jason stays in and she finds where we finally find out what this room is which is his altar that he has built to his mother so it's this like creepy ass room like full of candles and his mother's decapitated head like right in the middle like a shrine pretty much um, and then you know like you and I like enjoy all the bodies are in there mm-hmm. um, yeah he's like brought them there as like his little shrine to his killings yeah which i like because it's it's almost like he's sacrificing them to his mother exactly his mother yeah or like bringing them to her and being like look mommy look what i did right such a good boy which we don't get in the later movies i think there's one more where we get the shrine i don't know i didn't i'm gonna now sort of go through the series after we've done these two um it's been it's been a hot minute since i've seen three Three. Yeah. It's been a while. And three, I think, takes place, like, literally the day after this. Yeah. I feel like they use footage from Jenny, like, from the end of this movie in the very beginning. Again, sort of like they did with this one. But, like I said, it's been a while since I've seen part three. Um, But she does find it, and because of... Because she is a smart final girl, and, like kind of skipped over this but she puts up a good fight on her run too like she does. i mean jason she's like traps discovering her the... she discovers crazy ralph she's like running through yeah jason traps her in the car and she manages yeah. to like like kick him out of the way and keep running um like she's definitely smart about things and then because she is very she is a very intelligent capable woman she realizes what this shrine is and like based on the legend of jason that she has heard um she puts on mrs Voorhees' sweater so that when jason comes in he she's able to convince him like that she is pamela um and and kind of play with his like you know uh because jason is definitely not like fully functional um so she's able to play with like that like his i guess his mental disability to make him believe well yeah and the idea that you know here is you know a person who's lived in the woods and hasn't had any like social interaction oh no social yeah um, she talks about that too how like yeah. he doesn't understand what death is yeah um and so she's just thinking okay he's doing this for his mother if i can just try and tap into that and convince him that i'm his mom i can get out of this situation 
Um, so I like that they're using, I mean, it sounds silly and it's such a simple thing to do, but you'd be surprised how many films don't set you up with information. So I love yeah. that they set you up with the fact that she's a psych major in the very beginning and it plays a part in a variety of conversations that happen. And then it comes to play a role in how she gets away from Jason in the end. Um, and this like education and knowledge empowers her. Um, so her using her intelligence to, and not just her like physical capabilities to overcome a killer is like fantastic. And what makes Jenny a really strong final girl because she's not just stumbling into a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, she's taking action and, and using her her knowledge to um, to her advantage. And using her uniqueness and that ability she has that nobody else does. That's why I thought it was interesting. Like, the review that said, like, a few reasons to keep following along, like, I disagree with. Because in certain ways... In a lot of ways, I think this movie is actually smarter than the first movie. Uh-huh. Um, and that's why I was a little surprised Ron Kurz never went on to do anything else. Because he does a lot of really, really smart things that get abandoned later on in the franchise. Yeah. Um, like, he gives us a super capable final girl. And, like, he, it's not just that. It's like you said, he gives us the foundation and the building blocks to allow us to understand why she's able to do the things she does and make the decisions that she does. Which, as you said, like... A lot of the times we don't get that in movies. No. Um, but I think the best final girls are those people, and that's why people like Nancy and Sid are really interesting final girls because they're similar where we get that buildup and that foundation yeah. and, those, and we are able to understand that this, why they make the decisions that they make. Yeah. Um, so I think it actually does make her, like especially rewatching this, like a very capable standout final girl. Correct. Um, and so she, she does like trick him and then stabs him with a machete and, um, you know, her and Paul actually, so like Paul, Paul is still alive, run back and they're in the cabin and we get like one final misdirect where the door is kind of like being like, uh, it's creaking, like it sounds like someone's at the door. So she has a pitchfork and, um, Paul has a weapon and he opens the door and it ends up being Muffin the dog. And as Jenny stands to like go embrace muffin jason bursts through the window no mask so we see what he looks like she had taken his mask off in the cabin and again like we don't see it like her and paul both are like oh my god but then we see it and it's very odd looking it's not it's not that it's the only time this design is used for jason um because they change it and part three um so because in this one he has facial hair and hair Uh and he doesn't have any of that ever again he becomes like bald and well, yeah, this one, he's more like he's, a true, like, I've been in the woods. Yeah. He, I've been surviving in the woods yeah, as, like, a mountain man. He still has, like, the facial deformities of the Jason from the first film, like, of the child Jason, but he does look, yeah, very, like, wildernessy. Mm-hmm. Like, um, he has very, like, unkept hair. It's very long and scraggly, and, like, his facial hair is very uneven, and, like, um... And he's also very ugly. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, super ugly. But he grabs Jenny and pulls her through the window. And then very much like the first movie, we get flash forwarded to like we get that dream montage or that like uh, fade away. And she wakes up getting put into an ambulance. Yeah. And, and she's just yelling for, for Paul. Paul. 
Um, and then that's it. Yeah, we well, get a final shot. Well, then it goes shot. a final shot of just Mrs. Voorhees' decapitated head in the shrine that Jason has created. And end scene. Yeah, and we found out, too, that there was originally a plan to make it so her eyes open at the end of the movie. Apparently they shot it. It's never yeah. been showed. But um, where her eyes open and she smiles. And then, like, we would have had a very different third movie, I think. But they... They decided not to go that way, and I'm really happy about that because that would have been fucking weird. Well, yeah, it just would have set up for a different thing. Um, it would have introduced the whole supernatural idea even earlier, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it makes the film more, like, I don't know if tongue-in-cheek is the right expression, but... Um, self-aware yeah it makes the film more aware of what it is and plays with sort of the humor by doing that and and like kind of fucks with the audience and also have her wink and directly thrust it into supernatural right and alludes to the fact that she's really like controlling jason yeah and the or that she's still alive somehow whereas in even in like later movies i mean it's really not until like jason gets brought back to life with lightning that we really start looking at him as, like, a supernatural being. But even then, it kind of only dances around that idea. Right. Uh, I say Freddy versus Jason is actually the one that plays into it the most. Oh, for yeah. sure. Um, so outside of that, though, like, it's never, like, really directly stated. It's just implied. And that would have been a straight implication of, like, yeah. this is a supernatural horror movie right. now. Um, so I'm glad they did not go that direction. Yeah, instead, they can kind of get away with it being like, well, he's just really hard to kill. Yep, yeah. Um, it's positioned in the horror landscape, similar to the first one. Um, we discussed iconic, you know, one of the most important slasher movies that has ever existed. One of the most important horror movies that's ever existed. It's the introduction of Jason, yeah. one of the biggest icons in, um, horror and pop culture in general. Yeah. Um, even outside of horror. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's definitely regarded as superior to the original. Uh, by fans. Yeah. By yeah, fans. By definitely fans not by critics, series. obviously. Yeah. But what, again, like... To touch back on it, I think that's so weird because I was... So after last week when we talked about the first one, I was going into this one and I, I actually was thinking, I was like, I wonder if I'm going to like it as much as the first one because I ended yeah. up liking the first one a lot more than I remembered. Mm-hmm. And then I did. I did like it more. And it's because it does everything the first one did right. And the things that I enjoy about slashers, like not all slashers, but I do enjoy like tropey stuff, mm-hmm. it does that more. Not like... But not like to an like not to an extreme just more of it just like a bigger quantity of it but it does other things better like the score is better jenny is a much more capable intelligent final girl our killer Mm -hmm. is more interesting so like there are parts of it that and like there's still the pov framing there's still like this like the i think there's a lot of method to like the kills so still very serious yeah it's still like it has not hit camp yet at all like not even close no um so the it's weird that it wasn't as well received because in my opinion like it does everything the first one did so well but and i think that's why it wasn't well received because they're like why right you know why did we need i franchises didn't exist at the time Right. so it's like why did we need the same movie the same movie yeah Yeah. it was just like with a different killer. Yeah. Essentially. Because that's yeah. really all it is. And more... This one, I guess, had more nudity and more brutality. Uh-huh. So, it does like, it does amp it up on all yeah. levels. Yeah. Um, Less gore. 
But yeah. the, they make up for it in the fact that the kills themselves are um, pretty... They're they're savage. Brutal. Yeah, they're very brutal. Um, yeah. what's your favorite kill? Um, it's it's the Bay of Blood kill. Yeah. Like for me it's it has to be. The Bay of Blood kill is just just like the first one, like I love the opposite view of like through the throat, but in this, like I just the brutality of it and like the homage to Bay of Blood, but also just, you know, two kills at once and like the entire shot is like I get, that's another thing I even thought. I was like, the camera work in this is really good, too. Like, there's a lot of, like, really smart shots. Like, even, like, little things that you wouldn't find in a normal slasher from the 80s of, like, when he, when Vicky goes outside and starts to realize it's raining, there's, like, the shot of the leaves with the rain dripping from them, and then there's, like, the light, and it starts pounding harder. And I was like, I as I was watching, I was like, this is not stuff you'd find in, like, a normal slasher movie. Yeah. Like, like the camera work. But, like, that shot in particular, mm-hmm. like, I think it's very well done. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's... The other kills in this are brutal, but they're not as interesting. Agreed. Yeah. I think Marx is close because of the savagery behind yeah. it. Because it's very, like, kinetic. Like, it, it does, like, it hits hard. Um, but, yeah, that kill. Cool. I think that's one of the few times we've had the same kill as yeah, our favorites. it doesn't happen too often. Um... All right, so uh, we are at the point of the episode where we do um, lists. So at the end of every episode, we rank the movie. Uh, you can find our list at keepscreaming.com slash the dash list. Uh, number one is still My Bloody Valentine from 1981, followed by Black Christmas, 1974, and three is actually Friday the 13th, 1980, which we put there last week. And rounding out the bottom of the list is April's Fool's Day, Girls' Night Out, and um, Cry Wolf. I mean, I, we predicted this last week, but I am saying it goes at number three. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that, um, because we said last week, like, oh, yeah, we're going to put Friday the 13th as three. We think that's a good spot for it. And they're like, well, maybe, like, part two we're going to end up thinking is better. And at first, after watching this, I'm like, no, because we do get introduced to Jason, but, and I think it's so much scarier and menacing than Pamela Voorhees, Mm -hmm. like, physically. Mm -hmm. But there's something that's just scary about an unknown killer. That's about an unknown killer. About the like, it's really just like a mom, mm-hmm. like an older mom. The really manic. I just miss, and it be it is a trope that we see in later films that's missing from the later Friday the Thirteenth because of Jason. But that like crazy manic reveal that happens, right? Where it's like the end and like, I'm the killer and this is why. Right. And so the part that I don't love about how this one ends is we don't get that. And I don't love the like weird, he comes through the window and then that's it. I don't either, but that's the same as the first movie. Like the ending is pretty much the same. But she kills the right, the killer. Voorhees, yeah. And but then this, you like... get like a jump scare. This is literally like we get to our climax and we have our final confrontation with a killer, and then that's it. It cuts out. We don't see what happens at all, and she just wakes up. So it's like, did she kill him? Was it a dream? Like, Yeah, it's very ambiguous, and I agree. It's super weird. Yeah. But I do still think, like, Jason himself, and then honestly, like, for me, what what makes it better than Friday the 13th is Jenny. No, so I do still think it, it is better. Yeah. Um, but... It's a lot closer than you thought it'd be. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. No, and again, even 
after last week talking about it and dissecting the first one, that was when I was like, fuck, I don't know if it's going to be better because this is really good and Mm -hmm. it does so much for blueprinting slashers. Mm -hmm. But this also does. And And it improves upon it. And improves on it. The only thing it lacks is like a better final ending between the killer and the final girl. Yeah. And like for me, it's again, the fine tuning of certain things. So like Manfredini's score Mm -hmm. and like... Um, the killer, like himself, maybe not his reveal, Making but the killer an intelligent himself. Final girl, but Jenny, like yeah. that, it hammers home because mm-hmm. so many, to me at least, so many important slasher movies are carried on the shoulders of the powerful women who end up being the heroes. Mm-hmm. And you know, like our, I mean, our first one dies in the first however many minutes of this movie, and like honestly, she. You know, she was fine. We talked about it. She was fine, but she wasn't, like, capable. And, like, Jenny from the get-go stands out as an intelligent woman, one who doesn't take shit from people, has her own opinion. Um, and I like her. Like, like I, it's just funny. I ended up liking her so much more after this viewing than mm-hmm. I thought I would. Because um, I'd always known, like, she's an important one. But, like, now I'm like, oh, you're up there with, like, Sid and, and Nancy for those guys. For right. Me. Um, cool. So that is our new number three, um, which boots Friday the 13th, 1980 down to number four. Um, again, we will be back in two weeks. Yes, two weeks with The Carpenter. And you can find that on Amazon Prime if you decide you want to watch along. Um, and, you know, we tag it at the beginning of the episode. But if you can, follow us online at ScreamingCast um, on Instagram and Twitter. Um handles most of our social media stuff i do a lot of our stuff like i i do a lot of promotion through my own which is at ryan ryan writes left on instagram if you want to follow me there um but she's doing lots of really cool awesome stuff and we're going to keep doing that and bringing more um like more than just the podcast to you guys but we will be back in two weeks with the carpenter and until then keep screaming